From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And today, our special guest is Father Daniel R. Sweeney, S.J. Father Sweeney, welcome. Thank you very much, Taylor. And you, Father, are the editor of uh, the uh, Armed with the Faith prayer book that uh, uh, our men and women in uniform uh, use while they're deployed. Uh, tell me about this book. It's been around quite a while, and there's some features of the book that uh, uh, that are uh, meant for uh, someone who's actually in combat could have this and be able to uh, flip through it without making much noise. Tell me, tell me a little bit about how this book came to be. Um, yes, the, the, you've noticed the uh, waterproof tear-resistant pages, um, uh, special UPO paper, and also the spiral binding at the top, so the book will easily flip over in the pages. Um, it stays on the page you want to read. Uh, and that was based on an Air Force Chaplain um, Corps deployment guide I got when I was a brand new chaplain, um, the basic chaplain course. Uh, and when we were doing the prayer book, I said to Stephen Filer in New Haven, um, sort of the project manager for this, the first edition and even the revisions. And I said, Stephen, I sent him a copy and I said, this is what we want. Uh, and the, uh, he, he had even better, he found even better waterproof paper than that book, which was more than 20 years old. And uh, I said that we need the spiral binding at the top. And, um, yeah, it's been very successful. But how it came about, uh, Knights in Washington, D.C. Uh, mentioned to uh, then-Supreme Knight Carl Anderson in New Haven that we haven't had a Catholic prayer book since maybe the Korean War. You're talking the Knights of Columbus. Yes, the Knights of Columbus. And they mentioned, uh, and he took that idea on board and said, yes, we'll help with that. Um, so in talking to um, those at the Knights of Columbus headquarters New Haven, uh, and I'm a chaplain. I was then living in Washington, D.C., and I would come to meetings at the um, Archdiocese of the Military Services with then Archbishop O'Brien, who is the military archbishop. And I was having dinner with him, and I had a, um, a sort of like a memo, an aid memoir, a little piece of paper in my pocket. And I said, Archbishop, it's gone to, uh, the suggestion's gone up to New Haven that uh, we need a new Catholic prayer book for military personnel. This was 2004. And I said, uh, so here I just brought, I typed this up to, for you to take with you. These are just sort of like, you know, some information points. But the Knights will pay for it. And they said that, um, of course, they'll put in whatever you need to put in. Um, so it's a, with your approval and your guidance. Um, but they're willing to take on this project and get the book out because we, we need a new one. And he says, Dan, that's a great idea. He says, and I think you're the perfect person to be the liaison <laughs> between myself and the Knights of Columbus for this prayer book project. And that's how I became the editor. An example of how no good deed goes unpunished. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I uh, should mention that you are a lieutenant colonel in uh, the U.S. Air Force. Correct? Actually, uh, as of a year ago, I'm now a colonel. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, we need to update our records here. Yeah. Congratulations, Colonel. I mentioned uh, Supreme when the, the the new sixth edition is to go to press shortly. So the revisions are in with the Archbishop's uh, input, of course, and that will go to press. Uh, and I mentioned to them, I said, the most important change we have to make is on the title page because I've now been promoted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's good news because we get a lot of calls requesting this book. Yes. And I, I think we're out of stock right now. We are out of stock. And uh, so uh, the sixth edition, when will that come out? God willing, uh, should go to press by the end of April and early May. And then it's um, the printers are already. Uh, the paper has been secured. Um, and so once we have the 
the formatting completed uh, and it's it's uh, ready to go to press, it should be a quick turnaround. That's, and, the, that's our hope. And just uh, flipping through here, uh, I noticed that there are what? There are seven uh, different categories of uh, prayer and uh, Oh, general prayers, prayers for military personnel, praiseworthy devotion, sacrament of penance, catechetical instruction, religious reference, uh, hymns. Um, tell me a little about the content of the book and how you decided which content to include. And you know, will the sixth edition include this or will there be changes? Uh, there are changes to the sixth edition, uh, but the changes are minimal. Um, so minor adjustments of some of the prayers uh, and uh, some new hymns. And some other hymns taken out. We we tried not to make the book any bigger than it is, uh, because it is meant to be taken on deployment. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's not only the waterproof tear-resistant paper and the spiral binding on top, but it's sized to fit into uh, the pack, the pockets, and the camouflage uniforms of the various branches. Yeah, I'm just looking at this. It looks like to oh maybe a quarter of an inch thick, oh, yeah. but that's a lot of uh, a lot of content for. For a quarter of inch. Uh. Yeah. So one good quality about this special paper is it's um, it's uh, tear resistant and waterproof, but it's not thick. Um, and then while the the number of pages has increased from the first edition in two thousand four until this edition, uh, the new sixth edition will basically be the same size as the one that we're holding right now. And we're talking uh, over sixty pages. Yes, sir. Uh, and so, uh, how did you go about deciding which prayers to include? At the, for the first edition in 2004, um, we gathered the uh, a committee of the, of the wise men or the wise people. Um, so um, Colonel Galena, who's still working on the project with C me, Colonel obviously. Colonel Chuck Galena. Yes, <clears throat> retired a Marine colonel um, and much involved in the Knights of Columbus um, in Washington, D.C. And also uh, he is the military rep between the AMS and the Supreme Knight in New Haven. Uh, so this is one of many projects he's working on. But um, we decided, we talked to a number of people. Um, so various priests I knew, uh, various chaplains, um, and military personnel, and they all sent their favorite prayers in. And we had to sort of like, you know, do a little calling, if you will, because we didn't want the book to be too big. But we tried to put in things that were very popular and also things that would speak to military personnel, uh, both those who were deployed and those who were on duty in the United States or in uh, places like Europe or Korea, and also uh, for their families. Uh, so when the families are at home and their loved ones are deployed, and that could be sometimes for six months, it could be for more than a year with some deployment cycles. Uh, so there are prayers for people in these various situations. Um, and the book has been, as you mentioned, has been very, very popular over it, the years. It certainly has been. and. Uh, so uh, you have uh, experience yourself, as you mentioned, in the U.S. Air Force. You're a colonel. Uh, how did your personal experience feed into your decision-making about what to include and what to leave out? You have to think about, um, so when you, when you deal with people sending their favorite prayers and you have to then take a step back uh, and then think, okay, we can't put everything in because we don't want it to be too big. And then you have to say, what, what are the things that, are, that the... Um, military men and women in the pews um, or if they're not in the chapel if they're deployed in a deployed chapel setting what's going to be most useful for them um, because it has some connection some meaning to me doesn't mean it has special meaning to everyone so you want to have it for a, a wide audience uh, some of the changes we made uh, from the first edition until this one we have the catechetical instructions 
And that was at the uh, request of our, then Archbishop O'Brien and also Archbishop Brolio. And we put in, uh, you know, the just war theory, um, very important for military personnel. So among the people quoted in there was, of course, St. Augustine, uh, who is the, the grandfather of just war theory. Uh, the other famous theologian associated with, of course, is Thomas Aquinas. Um, so we have quotations from them and a whole section on that. And then on the sacrament of marriage, uh, we have that in there and also a quotation to the priesthood and religious life for those who are discerning. And the reason we have that is that um, with the younger people in the military, the military has, you know, older people like myself who've been in the reserves for 20, the Air Force Reserve for 23 years. Um, but a lot of the personnel are younger, uh, especially the enlisted personnel, uh, um, a huge number of younger people. And so we wanted something that would answer the questions that they have. Uh, and they think about, you know, discerning when they get married, you know, um, what are the practical issues they have to go through uh, for that discernment and what is the church, what are the church norms for a church wedding. And we have also have people, uh, maybe it's the link, I think it's the link between the service component of the military and then the service aspect of going into the priesthood or religious life or being a sister or a deacon. Um, so we do have a lot of interest in religious life and priesthood uh, evidenced by people, younger personnel, especially in the military. And so that was a great suggestion we had also about putting something in there about um, how do you pray if you think you have a vocation. Archbishop Brolio frequently comments that the military is the largest single source of vocations in the United States. Uh, year in and year out, we're talking at least 4% of newly ordained priests actually came from the military, had personal experience in the military, and upwards of 20% or more come from military families. Um, so <clears throat> I can certainly understand what, uh, his emphasis on putting something in there for vocations. Uh, the other thing, too, is that we have, as you well know, a chaplain shortage and so a lot of the men and women who are in uniform do not have access to the sacraments for long periods of time. Uh, will this book kind of help fill that gap somewhat? Um, yes, it does, especially when um, they're in deployed settings. Uh, there are some deployed locations where um, the priest is not able to go to all of the um, spread out units every Sunday. Um, they try to go to several in one day uh, by helicopter. Um, sort of like land and jump off and then say mass and then move on to the next location. But even with that best effort, uh, there are places where um, the chaplains come through, Catholic chaplains come through as best they can, but it may not be every week, maybe maybe once a month, for example. Right. And so the, the Catholics who are serving will go with that amount of time without uh, the Eucharist, without uh, being able to go to confession or uh, have any kind of spiritual counseling from a priest. Uh, so uh, this uh, uh, prayer book certainly provides some guidance. It's not the same as if you know, we're talking one-on-one -on -one or answering specific questions, but uh, uh, I can certainly see how someone who is not able to practice the faith in the usual way would at least be able to consult this book. Um, so you said 2004 was the first year it was uh, printed. Yes, sir. Uh, with the sixth edition coming out, uh, and w when will it be available to the public, by the way? 
My fervent hope is that it will be ready to roll out um, and it's shipped out from the AMS. It'll be going out um, summer. In the summer, hopefully. Uh, and so how long would you expect the sixth edition will uh, supplies will be available? Um, wild, for, wild guess. I know you can't say. For, for sure. several years. Uh, so um, the print run uh, for each uh, new revision has been 100,000 copies. I see. So we're going to have 100,000 copies. And with the pullback, the drawdown in uh, Afghanistan, uh, perhaps uh, th this batch will last a little longer, you think, possibly? Maybe? Possibly. But then you also have to take into account, for example, I'm more familiar with the Air Force. But if you look at Lackland Air Force Base, which is the um, enlisted training center, all new enlisted personnel go through basic training at Lackland. Um, and then the off if you're on the uh, officer track, you're either at the Air Force Academy or in an Air Force ROTC program across the country. Uh, so because of the, the new people in the pipeline every year, um, you know, we go through a lot of copies. Um, Lackland is a huge training base um, and very, very important that the copies go out to them. Uh, and also, the, I've been working at the Air Force Academy now as a reservist for easily six, maybe seven years. I go out in the summer, especially to help with uh, basic cadet training. Um, and we have ballpark 1,000 new basic cadets, maybe 1,200 would be a better number, um, every year. So if the academy is roughly 4,000 students, um, uh, there are 1,200 new arrivals every summer. And you know, they're well, probably 25% of those are Catholic. Yes, sir. Are, are you going to give the books just to Catholics or to all of them? Uh, it's usually distributed to Catholics, but we would not, we would, if requested, we give it to other people as well, obviously. I see. And you see to it in the Air Force that these books get in the hands of these new, uh, or do you? I mean, are you directly involved in, in making sure that the books get to the, uh, you know, the recruits, the new Air Force personnel coming in? Yes. So, for example, at the Air Force Academy, uh, we have the cadets usually uh, on Friday in the chapel for an hour and also on Sundays. Um, and in basic cadet training, they have a very, um, uh, their time is of the essence. You know, they don't have much time. So they do get the chapel slot um, those twice a week. And we have them available in the Catholic chapel at the academy. So uh, let me shift the subject a little bit for a moment. And uh, the Air Force Academy at one time several years ago was ground zero for the uh, disputes over the secularization in the military. Uh, what's the situation out there now when you go out in, in the summer? Are you welcome at the U.S. Air Force Academy? Yes, absolutely. And is the, um, uh, the Catholic program there thriving? Yes, it is. We have a very, very great program out there. Glad to hear that. Uh, we hear a lot about secularization, not just at the Air Force Academy, but uh, you well know uh, throughout the military and society at large. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, do you feel like uh, uh, the, the church is making some headway resisting these moves towards secularization? And I don't mean specifically in the Air Force necessarily, but generally across the board. Yes, I believe we are. But you know, uh, as you mentioned, it's not just the Air Force, the military, and it's not just the United States. It's a worldwide trend uh, and has been for 50 years, you know, gradual trend towards sure. increasing secularization. Yeah. Uh, I'm more familiar with the situation in the United States and Europe. Right. Uh, but in those two regions, definitely. Um, in the developing world, a little more 
uh, church, regular church attendance that we would have had when I was much younger. Yeah. Well, certainly there's been no resistance from Air Force or military or anybody to these prayer books. No, no, no. Getting into the hands of um, uh, up-and-coming airmen and sailors and soldiers and Marines. No. One of the reasons the chaplains are there in the military is to to provide that First Amendment freedom of religion and uh, ability to worship in military settings. And I'll tell you, core responsibilities. not too long ago, I was at a conference of a religious news association, and there were some secularist attorneys there. Um, this organization isn't a pro-Christian organization at all. It's, it's uh, writers who write on the subject of religion. And I was curious. I wanted to know if they had an argument. Uh, for getting rid of chaplains, and I was pleasantly surprised to hear that they don't. They're not advocating getting rid of chaplains, not even these hardcore secularists. Uh, they pointed out that uh, the, the institution of the chaplaincy predates the Constitution. Yes, that's correct. So it's so, firmly rooted in the American way. Yes, and there have been court cases on this. And so basically, uh, to give a short answer to that question, uh, there are some that ask why we still have the chaplain corps, and they ask if it doesn't violate the other half of the First Amendment on uh, religion, uh, the Establishment Clause, right. that the Congress will not establish religion. And the answer is from the judges so far has been uh, the chaplain corps does predate the Constitution because there are chaplains in the Continental Army. Um, and... Uh, General Washington, uh, one of his general orders was that there will always be a chaplain offering divine services on Sunday morning. Uh, so they were paid. They were in the in the chaplaincy, and that, that and also before the American Revolution, that was the custom in European countries, including England. Um, we inherited that, and Congress um, has two chaplains. The House of Representatives has a paid chaplain, as does the Senate. Right. So a deeply rooted institution in uh, our military and in the country. That's good to know that there's no move afoot to get rid of chaplains, even though there is a, an effort to expand the chaplaincy. We hear people talking about, well, we, we ought to have Wicca and uh, atheist chaplains, but uh, I'll leave that for another program yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, it is all, it's also part of our chaplain charism right. in the air force and our other sister branches in the military uh that the chaplains i'm a catholic chaplain obviously uh so i i do the catholic worship services I do mass and confessions um you know of uh, eucharistic adoration uh but we're also chaplains for everyone so i'm a priest for the catholics in the military and i'm a chaplain for everyone else so we do look after everyone. I, I've noticed that, that, that there's a spirit of camaraderie and uh, uh, comedy, I suppose, in between the uh, different uh, uh, sex uh, denominations of Christianity and w- whatever other uh, faith traditions there are, uh, which would include uh, Judaism and Buddhism and uh, Islam, right? Yes. Uh, and so uh, and, uh, a Muslim who uh, comes to you uh, you would refer that uh, that person to the uh, Muslim chaplain. Uh, unless, yes, unless would. unless they were uh, expressing interest in becoming Catholic, or if there wasn't, uh, you know, the bigger the bigger bases of the Air Force Academy included has uh, a large array of chaplains of various religious backgrounds. So the situation in the military is, uh, if there is no chaplain um, for the airmen's faith group or the religious members' faith group, um, you talk to the chaplain who is there. 
and you may at bigger bases like the Air Force Academy, um, Lackland, the training base in Texas, um, huge population. Uh, there's a wide array of chaplains. In smaller military installations, um, you may not always find a chaplain of your denomination, uh, whether it's you know specifically Presbyterian as opposed to a, uh, another Protestant chaplain or a Jewish chaplain or a Muslim chaplain or a priest uh, for the Roman Catholics. So the chaplains who are there will take care of people as best they can, even though you will be refer people to um, other resources for their specific faith group. And then picking up that theme about taking care of everyone, you know, the chaplain corps says, you know, we, we take care of um, airmen of all religious backgrounds, military members of all religious backgrounds, and those with no religious background, because um, we're there to look after their spiritual needs largely defined. And then for just one example out of many, you have people um, at basic cadet training at the Air Force Academy, and I'm sure they see this at Lackland as well, who are wondering, did I make the right decision? This is not what I expected. I'm burnt out with all this running around, you know, and not much sleep and this and that. So there are human, you know, stressors that we talk to people about as well, in addition to um, specifically religious and spiritual counseling. And not only that, but uh, you're the only officer they can come to and talk to and not have what that person says go back to the to the brass. That's also correct. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your experience in the uh, eight or nine minutes we have left. Uh, tell me, uh, you said you've been uh, a, a chaplain for 20 years. You're now a colonel in the uh, U.S. Air Force. Tell me about those years. Where have you served? Uh, what's it been like for you? It has been an incredibly varied and rewarding experience. Uh, so I tell my friends, I said, you know, uh, when you teach, I taught at various Jesuit schools. When you're a teacher um, in, in grad school, you come in contact with a lot of interesting people. I said, but in the military, uh, specifically, you come across uh, such a diverse part of the American population. People from every state, all different types of backgrounds, um, not just religious backgrounds or ethnic backgrounds, but geographic backgrounds. And I said, I've met such a fascinating group of people and worked with such a fascinating group of people, not just chaplains, but all just regular military personnel. Uh, and it's a much wider group than I would meet, you know, teaching um, at a Catholic high school or college. Now, right now, you teach at the University of Scranton. Is that correct? That is correct. Is that a Jesuit college? It must be a university. Yes, yes okay. it is. What do you teach? I teach international relations and political science. I see. Uh, and this is what you do in, in your other life, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, so when you're not being a military chaplain. Yes. So my summer job is tends to be the chaplaincy. But to come back to your other question, where did, I, where did the journey start out? I was in England in graduate school, uh, right after ordination. Uh, I was ordained in June, went off to England in you know, early September, mid-September, uh, to Cambridge, University of Cambridge. And there are two American air bases uh, just north of Cambridge, RF Mildenhall and RF Lake and Heath. Uh, so I started as a contract chaplain at Mildenhall, and to give a shout out to one of my other great Air Force friends, um, Ed Rodriguez, retired Brigadier General in the Air Force Reserve, um, active duty JAG in Vietnam, and then stayed in the reserves and ended as the IMA, Mobilization Augmentee to the TJAG, uh, the head of Air Force um, lawyer. And he, because he was working on recruiting me into the um, Air Force chaplaincy when I was a scholastic, you know, a, a seminarian. Um, he said, you have to have a long-range strategic view. When I moved over to England, uh, because of his networking, he knows everyone, 
he was on the phone with uh, his Catholic chaplain friend. He says, you know the Catholic chaplain out at Mildenhall, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Can you call him and, and get him to invite Sweeney up to help say mass on the weekends? This is part of my plan to get him into the reserves, <laughs> into the Air Force Reserve. So, and the rest is history. <laughs> now, so, uh, are, are you a JAG or was a... Uh, no, okay. Ed Rodriguez is a JAG. I see. I got but you. he swore me in when I became a chaplain. He was he did the swearing in. I see. And, in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, where were you going to school over there? Uh, Cambridge. Mm, very so, good. Uh, very and Mildenhall and Lake Heath are roughly 40 minutes drive north of Cambridge. So, RF Lake Heath was my first attachment. Great base. So, you know, chaplain, first lieutenant Sweeney showed up. You know, Lake and Heath <laughs> in the old, you know, Woodland BDU. So any of the older guys listening to the, the podcast will recognize that old camouflage uniform we used to wear. And, uh, and then I moved back to the United States um, uh, and was living in Georgetown uh, for four years. And did my, my second attachment was at um, Andrews Air Force Base, the base chapel. Uh, okay, by that point, I was a captain. Uh, then I moved from there. I moved up to Boston to finish off the dissertation, and I moved my IMA work to the Air Force um, Chaplain Corps School, uh, Maxwell Air Force Base, Montgomery, Alabama. And then I also worked for a few years at Fort Jackson when it migrated up there. Uh, so in part of your time, you're, you're on reserve now, right? I'm a reservist. Uh, have, have you done any active duty uh, periods in your military yes. time? Yes. So in addition to my normal uh, Air Force Reserve commitment in the summers, I did a four-month backfill, um, recovering for a deployed Catholic chaplain at Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado Springs in 2008-2009, uh, so roughly December 1st through the end of March, 08-09. That was a great, great experience. That was a very interesting uh, uh you, you you wear two hats that are sort of you wouldn't associate immediately, but of course the, you know you say it's the same thing about chaplains generally, you know the the message of Jesus is peace, and the profession of the military is war. How do you? I want to hear this from a Jesuit priest. How do you? <laughs> how do you uh, justify or, or reconcile those t- different sets of values? Uh, the way I would describe it, uh, my humble personal opinion, uh, is that you, um, our country and other countries, the, the military personnel, which is an ancient and honorable profession, uh, prepares uh, for war in order to maintain the peace. So for international relations purposes, we describe this as the you know, classic balance of power theory. Now, that sometimes breaks down and fighting happens. Uh, but... The context is always, as you, as you mentioned, the the catechetical instruction in the uh, prayer book, Armor of the Faith, uh, going back to St. Augustine, is that the purpose of the conflict is to return to peace as quickly as possible. Makes sense. And I can see your field in academia, international politics, uh, you know, supports uh, kind of jives with what you're doing in the military, too. The military, I'm sure, gives you some real-world experience to kind of Oh, absolutely. Get, uh, yeah. Maybe tell some stories yeah. in class, right? Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my experience teaching for many years, college students, uh, has made uh, made it easy to um, do my pastoral work at the Air Force Academy, uh, which, of course, is also mm-hmm. in addition to training people as the next generation of leadership in the Air Force, uh, young people, uh, it's also a college. It's an undergraduate program. And uh, 
Colorado Springs is a nice place to spend summer, right? Colorado is, I'm from originally from White Plains, New York, but I would tell you that I would move to Colorado tomorrow if the opportunity arose. Well, you know, the thing I remember about the Air Force Academy, I haven't been there since 1974, and that was there only once. But I remember the checkerboard pattern on the uh, campus where the, the you know, freshman cadets, what do you call them, not a freshman? Dooley. Dooley, that's right. <laughs> they have to walk these uh, checkerboard, uh, they, they can't deviate. From Actually, them. they have to run. Oh, is that right? To, uh, until they're recognized and Roughly March of their freshman year, oh, their first dear. year, they have to run the strips. Oh my goodness! Uh, so is that and, what it's called? Run the strips? Yes, it is. So all right. Well, <laughs> we've been talking to Father Daniel R. Sweeney, S.J., a colonel in the United States Air Force. He is the editor of the prayer book "Armed with the Faith," a Catholic handbook for military personnel. And this book has been published since 2004. Uh, good thing since we've had the longest war in our history, which, uh, according to President Biden, will soon end. Uh, and uh, you're getting ready to put out a sixth edition. So I'm glad to know that the calls that I get requesting this book, I'll be able to tell them, give them a time frame on when uh, the book will be republished. Thank you, Father. Thanks very much, Taylor. Pleasure. Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, serving those who serve.